93.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. Extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screens of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets, swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingwals, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling, breakthrough in gray room, towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Guilt, blast, bound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot K-9, you are cut off. Back. Return to base immediately. Ride music beam back to base. Stay out of that time plaque. All pilots, ride pan pipes back to base. Back to base indeed. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And breezing on in, I'm Jim Dwyer. Yeah, the weather got nice and comfortable today. Warm, breezy weather, unlike... Pretty dark out there, though. It's, but it's the, uh, yeah, daylight savings always is depressing. The end of it for me. I always say yes, you get an extra hour of sleep that one night, so to speak. Of course, if it happens on Halloween, you probably <laughs> <laughs> booze it away, uh, staying up an extra hour, so you don't gain anything. But yeah, you lose that sunlight. Bring on more daylight savings time. That's my motto. Well, I think there is a productive edge to it. That uh, for me, the increased hours of darkness sort of Gives you the focus to yeah. get some things done at home. Can't go out and uh, I definitely more putter about in the yard. Productive in the winter, uh, reading many more books, exactly. articles, etc., and uh, eh, watching more movies on TCM, that kind of thing. Anyway, I guess the theme of the day is the elections. Uh, Afghanistan elections have been canceled. Abdullah, Abdullah. Well, I don't know if they've been canceled. I think the plan is to carry on and oh, go okay. ahead. Yeah, Make but, it an uh, affirmation, so to speak. Well, uh, <laughs> maybe. We'll see how that works out. But, uh, yeah, Abdullah, Abdullah has just withdrawn. Uh, yeah, and my advice to those voters in Afghanistan is <laughs> write in Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> maybe if he becomes the, uh, the prime minister of uh, Afghanistan, we can or the president of Afghanistan, we can banish him to Afghanistan. He can uh, implement his conservative utopia. Well, if uh, Rush Limbaugh were to relocate to uh, <laughs> Afghanistan, Donald Rumsfeld would have to reassess his uh, rather dark quip that uh, Afghanistan uh, was target poor. Like, uh, yes. Rush's presence might make it target rich there, at least in one large pocket area. 
But this actually might be a pretty shrewd move by Abdullah Abdullah because uh, I, there's sort of hope now amongst observers that this might lead to the possibility of some sort of negotiation and not to say coalition government, but after all, Abdullah Abdullah is a former foreign minister for uh, Karzai. They, as we observed last week, they each represent different ethnic uh, configurations and, and turf area in Afghanistan. Um, few people in Afghanistan, I'm quoting now from Matthew Green's article in today's Financial Times, few Afghans believed Mr. Abdullah ever had a serious chance of being president, in part due to his association with the ethnic Tajik minority in a country where the Pashtun community has traditionally held power. By forcing a second round, he has strengthened his hand in negotiations. Um, had they run the second round, I mean, the reason he's giving for having withdrawn is that they can't guarantee, you know, solid, reputable uh, elections again. Yeah. So no surprise there. By stepping down now, he sort of retains what credibility he got by having forced uh, a, a revote um, without having to either deny a Karzai, you know, mandate or have to look like the guy who says, oh, they were rigged again. So I think uh, this puts the Obama decision on a bit of a back foot because I think they were hoping that, okay, we'll get good elections up and running, you know, quote-unquote reputable, and uh, then we'll make our announcement of whatever decision they're, they're going to make. Um, now I think they have to say, uh, plug their nose and say, well, it's the same six of one, half dozen of the other. It's the same, same, same. It's just going to be Karzai again, and so... Yeah, and of course this this front page story uh, from uh, Wednesday's October twenty eighth edition of the New York Times regarding Karzai's brother, uh, which uh, you know I think is sort of a, re a remarkable revelation, but not surprising. It just leads off with the uh, the the, uh, the sentence Ahmad Wali Karzai, the brother of Afghan president and a suspected player in the country's booming illegal opium trade, gets regular payments from the CIA and has for much of the past eight years, according to current and former American officials. Interestingly, later down in the article, the CIA doesn't deny this. Instead, uh, <clears throat> their spokesman stated, no intelligence organization worth the name would ever entertain these kinds of allegations. <laughs> That's sort of a non-denial denial, as the saying goes. <coughs> We're not asking you to entertain the allegations. <laughs> We're asking you to respond to them. Um, so, uh, you know, this, this, is a, this is a significant story, and while al um, analogies to Vietnam are not perfect, the idea that, uh, you know, with the Diem brothers that, of course, yeah. were assassinated um, on November 1st of 1963 with uh, the American ambassador's acquiescence at the time and the Kennedy administration's acquiescence at the time that Diem must go. Uh, his brother, of course, was linked to all sorts of nefarious activities in Southeast Asia, including drug running, and Madam New uh, had made a numerous bone his, his wife in other mm -hmm. words the sister-in-law of uh, Diem uh, had made numerous boneheaded um, public assertions public statements uh, throughout the Buddhist crisis of 1963 that led to the 
shall we say, lack of viability, but it was the problem mm -hmm. of dealing with the Diem brothers that America, of course, had foisted into power in Southeast Asia in the mid-1950s. Uh, I think at one point he was put on the cover of Time magazine by uh, Henry Luce uh, as the savior. Right. The, the de Gaulle of uh, yeah. Vietnam. Because he was Catholic, he spoke English, had been educated in France, and of course had a sort of pro-Western perspective on the future of Vietnam that, of course, was basically <laughs> at odds with the reality on the ground. Um, so these, these, you know, these analogies are not perfect, but the fact that we're now pretty much stuck with the Karzai brothers, so to speak, um, I don't think bodes well for the future. There was a um, top official recently, uh, sort of a minor uh, official, who I think's name was Ho, I'm going to have to look that up, who uh, did a couple of interviews last week about why he had resigned from the um, State Department uh, regarding the situation in Afghanistan. And I thought he uh, made it one very astute observation, he, two uh, astute observations. One was he, qu he didn't question the tactics, the how of how we're going to win Afghanistan. He questioned the why, <laughs> you know, yeah, the big indeed. picture. And then, of course, the other thing that he pointed out is that Afghanistan is essentially, I think at one point he called it, you have to think of it as valleys, that it's, it's villages and it's rural areas where tribal and local leaders have the power. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of quotes here, and it's interesting to show how history repeats itself. At one point, um, the Soviet Union was uh, debating... Um, Afghan policy, whether to stay or go. Gorbachev was uh, pushing for withdrawal in the uh, winter of 1986. He said, those who don't intend to adjust and who, moreover, are an obstacle to the solution of these new tasks simply must get out of the way, get out of the way and not be a hindrance. Gromyko later said it's necessary to establish a strategic target. Too long ago we spoke about the need to close off Afghanistan's border with Pakistan and Iran. Experience has shown that we were unable to do that because of the area's difficult terrain and the hundreds of passes through the mountains. Today it's necessary to precisely state what the strategic assignment concludes with moving towards an end to the war. Another quote. Uh, nevertheless, the majority of the territory remains in the hands of the rebels. And although the Afghan government had a, quote, significant military force at its disposal, 160,000 people in the army and 115,000 in the interior ministries, uh, Sarin Doi, and 20,000 in the state security organs, quote, there's no single military problem that has arisen that hasn't been solved, and yet there's still no result. Uh, this, by the way, is the point in which the Soviet Union had been in Afghanistan for seven years. Uh, the United States, of course, recently went past the eight-year mark. Yep. And all of these things uh, remain uh, the same. Um, another foreign minister said, of the five million Afghans out of a population of 18 million, this, of course, is back in the mid-'80s, just several hundred thousand families outside the country's main s cities were under government control. 
The peasant hasn't received significant material benefit from the revolution. The party and the government haven't inherited from the previous government precise plans on how quickly to raise the standard of living for the 300 to 400,000 peasant households under the government's sphere of influence. Um, and Gorbachev concluded, uh, he said, in 1987, we should withdraw 50% of our troops and another 50% in the following year. Most important, we must make sure that the Americans don't go into Afghanistan, but I think the Americans won't go into Afghanistan militarily. These were internal Politburo negotiations in the winter of 1986, and you can see that these statements that I read are the exact same problems that America confronts today. Um, it's interesting that at one point uh, in, a, in a recent article, an expert regarding uh, the strategic situation in Afghanistan, and this is actually from today's uh, New York Times article by David Sanger uh, doing an analysis. He writes that for eight years, the U.S. and its allies have been struggling to train an Afghan army. While it currently has a force of more than 90,000, American commanders put the number who can actually sustain themselves in a fight at closer to 50,000. How interesting to compare that number to the number that the Soviets were talking about regarding their so-called security forces that they had at their disposal, the Afghan government, uh, noting that there were 160,000 troops, 115,000 in the Interior Ministry, Sarah and and another 20,000 in state security organs. This is a warlord uh, society. Uh, the, the shifting um, alliances in Afghanistan are something that's beyond the control or experience or knowledge of the American uh, military and or CIA and or State Department. It's a mess. Well, as we've noted before, too, it doesn't even really fit the basic criteria for a nation-state. I mean, this is... An artificial... It's, it's an artificial, hobbled-together, you know, afterthought byproduct of the collapse of the British Empire. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, and it's the Durand an line, drawn in 1893. Right. <laughs> and an so, artificial border, you know, yeah. in which they said, well, this will be uh, our Indian Empire on this side, and you uh, Pashtuns on the other side. That's the very definition of remote, you know, even within itself, yeah. within the context of its own, you know, uh, purported borders, uh, because I no longer consider the border between Afghanistan and Pakistan to exist. Yeah. I mean, it's beyond porous. It's, I think it's wide open for big chunks of it uh, in a way that the U.S.-Canadian border is... <laughs> Not a, a perilous, uh, largely open border. Yeah, it's sort of like reasons. the Rio Grande. You know, it, it sort of floats, and while um, you know efforts have been made to build security fences and beef up, you know, border security down there, we know how many uh, Mexicans have fled into the United States illegally. And of course, the Russian uh, Politburo here is talking about these. Uh, the fact that they can't control the borders because these mountains are so big and there's a lot of pa you know mountain passes, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's well, and with winter coming on too, that's another problem with these elections. And that you know maybe they should just go ahead and cancel them. Uh, you know the, today's papers are saying that they will go ahead as scheduled. Um, well, Obama to, actually to called, what end? called Karzai today to congratulate him because he's apparently been quote declared the winner with the withdrawal of uh, Abdullah Abdullah. That would be the sensible thing to do, but again, uh, 
what legitimacy there is is, of course, dubious at best yeah. and uh, extremely limited in its actual, you know, de jure range. Because de facto, outside of uh, Kabul, Karzai uh, holds very little uh, in the way of cards. Yeah, and of course, the the open oh. discussions in about America's strategy that Rush Limbaugh will give him a brain damage award for attacking the president again, calling him the ditherer. Um, better that he dither than wither. Um, the Afghan uh, fiasco is based on Bush's uh, interest in invading Iraq and the fact that he... The decider. The decider. He wasn't afraid to make the decisions. And probably allowing bin Laden to escape uh, if he ever actually was in Afghanistan. Um, it's interesting to note, by the way, that when he fled the Sudan back in the mid-'90s from uh, American pressure, uh, he landed in Peshawar. Right. I mean, his his uh, it's obvious that the South Waziristan area where there's a Pakistani offensive as we speak that's creating, of course, a counter uh, t uh, a, a terrorist strategy by rebels in, in Pakistan cities that we've seen pr prominently the last several weeks. Um, you know, that's where the problem is, and it continues, and it's not going away. And for Rush Limbaugh to attack Obama for uh, making this appearance at Dover Air Force Base uh, with the coffins uh, at 4 in the morning, calling it a photo op, I don't know if anybody was actually watching television in America at 4 a.m., and I don't know if the media covered it, but I thought Obama's response was appropriate. And it needs to be part of the um, actual thought process that Obama Indeed. seems to be emulating Kennedy in terms of getting advice from a lot of people, not relying solely on two or three people. Well, and that's you know, how FDR Bush, did, too. You know, Bush did. Brain trust and uh, thoughtful deliberation. You yeah. know, there's nothing wrong with thoughtful deliberation. And for, for that matter, that's probably, in all reality, what the Peace Prize was all about, is that— uh, Maybe that prize should have gone to the American people for a voted for somebody who's uh, af not afraid to thoughtfully deliberate. And, you know, we might be disappointed in some of the decisions, but uh, there's no quick, easily recognizable, bad, pointless decisions um, like you got all the time from the uh, W gang. Yeah, and, and of course the mini-me was probably frequently on Cheney's knee uh, listening to what sage advice that Dr. Evil was planning for the world on torture, on war strategy, on invading Iraq, on the grandiose plans of remaking the Middle East. Well, quite frankly, the United States, uh, while things have simmered down a little bit in Iraq, there's still problems there. And, um, you know, this Afghanistan uh, situation is simply a loser. And when Obama recognizes this is is unclear, we've we've criticized him for boxing himself into the corner regarding these decisions. By the way, those quotes on the Soviet uh, Politburo come from a book that I finished recently called The Great Gamble, The Soviet War in Afghanistan uh, by uh, Gregory Pfeiffer. And it's an interesting perspective about the Soviet oh. military's problems in um, invading Afghanistan to, you know, rescue a kind of uh, corrupt uh, 
coup uh, uh, backed. There was a coup d'état that led to a sort of pro-Soviet government mm-hmm. that was threatened by the Mujahideen. The United States was already beginning to funnel aid to these radical Muslim extremists, part of uh, Brzezinski's uh, grandiose plan to bring down the Soviet Union. And this policy escalated heavily uh, during the 1980s with uh, Ronald Reagan and uh, Bill Casey and the ISI and the Saudi government. It's very interesting that the Saudi government frequently funneled uh, matching amounts of money that the United States was putting into the Afghan war that at one point uh, I think totaled something like somewhere between five and eight billion dollars. Well, I think it was partly that what they saw as favorable U.S. support for the interests of the Mujahideen in uh, Afghanistan that probably led the Saudi government to be so friendly uh, with a country A, country B, and the Iran-Contra thing. They were one of the uh, participants in that, too. So it was very much a case of, uh, hey, we're all scratching each other's back. And what's being accomplished on the ground? Well, we're still dealing with the unfolding nightmare that was created by these Uh, disastrous policies dating back to the 80s. Yeah, and remember also that the Saudi government was one of the few governments that recognized the Taliban uh, when they were in nominal control of Afghanistan in the late 90s, along with Pakistan and the United Arab Emirates. How ironic that the investigation into the 9-11 Commission kept the involvement of the Saudi government and the United Arab Emirates out of the plotters of 9-11. Uh, much of the money came from the United Arab Emirates, and of course, the official version of events is that uh, 14 of the 19 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and that there was some aid and comfort by even Saudi diplomats high up in the, uh, uh, connected to the royal family, that were actually giving financial aid to some of the hijackers when they dwelled in the United States. Hmm. Very interesting. But it shows that this whole, the shifting alliances of this incredibly complex region and even religion, Islam, in the complicated aspects of who believes what and uh, whatnot, is beyond the America's uh, simplistic idea of winning wars, you know. It's not a football game, Rush. Uh, It's uh, more like a chess match. complex. And of course the elections real quickly uh, tomorrow is election day here in Ann Arbor along with other places around the country mainly local elections Um, I'm not going to put too much stock in the governor's races in Jersey and uh, Virginia I don't think they have I don't think it's a referendum about Obama I think that these are unique races I somewhat think that Corzine will actually squeak out a victory. But this development in the 23rd Congressional District oh, re- yeah. regarding the schism, the the little schism that's occurring in the Republican Party is fascinating. Uh, just a week ago, we had Newt Gingrich publicly endorsing the uh, recently withdrawn uh, candidate, uh, Falavel. Um, I'm mispronouncing her name. Dee Dee uh, is her first name. Rhymes with BB. Um, she quit the race uh, Saturday and then endorsed the Democrat um, yesterday. And the uh, well, I think she was on the outs with Republicans anyway because she favored gay rights and yeah. abortion rights, which 
and and had supported the stimulus package. Yeah. So anyway, this character named Hoffman comes into the race as the conservative party. And by the way, New York State has had a conservative party over the years. This isn't just some recent creation. There's been a, quote, conservative party, third party in New York uh, politics. And while I'm not a particular expert on uh, New York State politics, it's fascinating that this congressional district has been in the hands of the Republicans dating back to the 19th century. No way. Yeah. Um, The reason that there's a special election in this congressional race is that the previous uh, representative uh, with became the Secretary of the Army. I think his name is McHugh, and he's an expert on military matters. So he was a Republican that Obama put into his administration recently, and hence the open seat. So the results from this race will be fascinating to see what happens. Um, The reason that I believe that the Democrat may win this race, and I think that if it does, this is going to be a very bad day for the Republicans. They're expecting a really big day tomorrow. They think they're going to sweep all three of these races, the conservatives, that is. But if they lose this congressional race, their problems are just starting because it appears that there are some other uh, Republican officials that are being targeted by the conservative wing of the Republican Party, specifically the most prominent being uh, Kay Bailey Hutchinson, who's uh, quitting her Senate seat in Texas, running for governor, Mm -hmm. and Charlie Crist, who wants to become the senator, the current governor of Florida, who wants to become the senator uh, of Florida in 2010. Um, Charlie Crist has openly supported the uh, Obama stimulus plan, and apparently Florida was one of the bigger beneficiaries of the stimulus plan uh, from the recent data revealed by the government. And, oh, he hugged Obama. Those are the ads they're showing the Republicans don't want to talk about the economy, Afghanistan, health care, and Iraq. Those are the big problems that America has. The ex- really expensive problems. Besides texting while driving. More on that in a second. No, they want to talk about gays, guns, abortion, and big government. <laughs> so they're back to their playbook. Uh, they're back to the propaganda. That's well, the same playbook that didn't work the most recent go-round. Yeah. And when you have Rush Limbaugh, who's pretty much given, he seems to appear on Fox uh, television, Sunday talk shows almost uh, every other week now, claiming that Obama, who went to greet the coffins at Dover Air Force Base, did so for a photo op. Um, I'm kind of wondering if he criticized Ronald Reagan uh, for... Well, that's not that unusual uh, thing for a president to do. I mean, didn't uh, W do that at least once? Well, he met privately with the family, but he took the advice of his father uh, from the first Persian Gulf War, so to speak, that uh, those sorts of photo ops are not good television because that will just increase. It equates your image with the uh, returning. With the reality, but it's the reality of dead Americans and uh, hence... People will turn against the war, et cetera, et cetera. Um, war is hell. Uh, General Sherman. Abraham Lincoln, uh, of course, was the other president that uh, attended funerals personally. And um, it's well established that he wrote many, many letters to the families of fallen un- Union soldiers. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually proud that Obama uh, was a man for a change. 
didn't uh, sit on Dick Cheney's knee and plan the, the the whole rearrangement of the Middle East with, you know, Dr. Evil. <laughs> it's disgusting. And for Obama, I mean, for Rush Limbaugh to take pot shots at the president, who can handle them? You know, I, I think they've sufficiently ignored him, and he's, I don't know, he just keeps sending him more rope is what I say. <laughs> Right. Well, this Republican infighting, as you say, after tomorrow, once the results are, are, are you know, in, we won't have to wait three months like since the August 20th Afghanistan elections. Right. But uh, this is not a finished matter. I mean, this is a, pub, uh, a party in disarray. This is a party at odds with itself. It's um, in self-destruct mode because it's attacking itself in ways that uh, you just haven't seen uh, the Republicans do since the Goldwater era. And um, there's a lot of confusion there, and a split in that party could present an opportunity for the Democratic Party to make inroads on a progressive uh, wing, uh, since there's that much utter confusion on the right. Um, I mean, you've got the defection of somebody like Joe Lieberman. Oh, yeah. The Uh, filibusterer. Well, that, if they could bottle that guy's voice and, you know, it would become a highly addictive sleeping uh, pill. That's what maybe he should be giving speeches in uh, Afghanistan. Um, but uh, Well, of course, he's a hawk on these military matters. Well, right. That's so just maybe it. He was a Republican along anyway. Twist, twist his arm and tell uh, him, okay, if you, if you scuttle the health care situation, then guess what? We know which side you're on, and we're going to do the exact opposite of what you right. want to do on the so-called global war on terrorism, the Iraq war. Of course, he doesn't want to get out of Iraq. Um, he, he's uh, beholden to the interests of Israel. Uh, that's well well known. And he, of course, is uh, in, you know, receives millions. We're not talking here uh, about, you know, thousands of dollars in campaign contributions, millions and millions of of dollars of campaign contributions from the insurance industry yeah. that's heavily based in uh, Connecticut. Uh, of course, so is the military. Uh, so are the military contractors. One of the reasons that Connecticut, I think, actually stands second in the nation in per capita state income. Uh, Odd for such a very small state. <laughs> by Indeed. The, well, it's, it's a combination of things. They also have a well-educated population, and it's fascinating that Obama has approval ratings in the northeastern part of the of the nation that are in the 80s. Um, just to let you know, uh, Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Well, a quick brain damage award, I think. To, I don't know if it, really if a brain damage award is merited or just to maybe get some courage uh, prompt um, to Secretary of State Hillary Clinton who fails to uh, take the opportunity to follow through on what the Obama uh, statements have been about the freeze on settlements yeah. as a requirement for negotiations. She plays into Netanyahu's hands. Uh, you know, they know each other. Uh, it's just uh, unfortunate that she has uh, really sort of lost an opportunity to advance that process because I don't think it's an unreasonable request for the, the Palestinian request is that there must be a freeze on new settlements. Everyone knows the settlements are illegal. Sure. Everyone knows there's dozens and dozens of them that have been allowed to stand. Some of them, even Israel itself recognizes as illegal. 
and yet the best Netanyahu can offer is a uh, temporary restraint. <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, this is a major sticking point, and she can't go in here and allow Netanyahu to call the shots to determine the basis.